I am Grant Gustin, and you're listening to The Flash Podcast. Back to the Flash podcast, your podcast for every night to see the movies. The Flash, starring Grand Gunson as Baron, aka The Flash. I'm the host, and be as always. And today, um, the girls are they're off, uh, they're off this week. Um, but uh, but but I do have a very special guest, and it's very, it's 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 actually very nostalgic because. So for you, for, for, for y'all people who have been here with this little with this little podcast since you know we started back in 2013, you know that back in season zero I had a lot of guests on, like a lot of people, a lot of guest pe- uh, hosts on. Because back then I was, uh, you know, back then you know, the concept of me having like a regular co-host wasn't it wasn't like a thing. So um, you know we. You know, we, we come a long way, of course. And, you know, and my and my guest today, he was one of our earliest guests on on the Flash podcast. He was back on in season zero, and he we were here. He was here to talk to me about uh, uh, when we we when we knew nothing about Eddie Fawn. Uh So it's my honor to welcome back Mr. Zeke Donnelly to the Flash podcast after almost seven years. So Zeke, welcome back. How you doing? Hey, I'm good, man. Thanks for having me back, and I can't believe it's been seven years. It doesn't seem like that at all. I don't, I don't understand how we never, like how we never had you on, um, for you know an episode like. Well, like, I know like, when when I worked when I worked at Lego, my schedule was very unforgiving. Like, because um, I was recording like my own YouTube shows at like two in the morning. And then get a couple hours of sleep and go back to Lego. So, I know that probably could have been a reason for at least four of those years for sure. Well, I um, and also you know I think back then you were also in um, you were because that you were brought back in California then, right? So I guess you know the time zones were also a little bit uh, prohibiting and so on. Uh, I actually I actually just had that the episode up here. It was on uh, July eleventh, two thousand fourteen. So it's been six oh, years, I- but. But it's still crazy, yeah. But but like I'm like I'm looking at my description, so I'm like, oh my god, I this is this is definitely changed since we 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 last did this. Uh, welcome back to the Flash Podcast. On this installment, Andy's joined by his friend Zeke Donnelly from Awesome Comics, who was a guest host at the start of season. Oh, I I totally figured you did do an episode with me, like even early on. Like I think you were you may actually been the one to review one of our like one of the episodes Barry Allen appeared on when he was coming to the, to Arrow. Yes, I think I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, 
And would I guess, would, um, who was a guest at the start of the season there? Today, getting to do a character spot on the Flash's arch nemesis, Edward Fawn, aka Professor Zoom. Wow, that name we have not Professor Zoom. We have not said a name in a very long time. Yeah. Throughout uh, the discussion, they go through Fawn's comic book history in major comic book events such as Flash Reaper, Flashpoint, as well as appearances in, in the media. They also speculate on how Eddie Fawn, to be played by Rick Cosnett, is going to be like on the new TV show, as well as Professor Zoom. How Professor Zoom will be portrayed? And boy, were we wrong. <laughs> We, yeah. God, <laughs> yeah, we were. No, we were way off. <laughs> what was? I think you. I, I think you had like the theory of. I think. If, if, I think if at least one of us. But you know, I, I'm pretty sure it may have been you because you have way better fears than I do. But I think you mentioned something like, um, um, that he was going to that maybe Eddie was going to be like Dexter almost and like have like a like a second persona about um. You know, oh, like, yeah. About, you know, like, he's, you know, he is, like, Barry's, you know, mom's killer and so on, um, but he doesn't know it. Uh, and, like, I actually would have loved it quite a lot. And then, you know, we got, um, you know, we got the lovely Tom Cavanaugh to yeah. give us an amazing performance, of course, but, you know, I... It's still pretty cool. It's still, it's still kind of interesting how how the show has gone. Like, so, like, you know, before we get into our main discussion today, I kind of just wanted to just touch upon your thoughts about, about the Flash TV sh- show since we, you know, I mean, I know you and I have talked about it a little bit off air, but for listeners who, you know, who, who heard you in back in season zero, but who hasn't ha- heard you since then, uh, what, um, what are your, what are your thoughts on the Flash since uh, it's uh, premiere back in 2014? Um, well, I loved season one. I thought it was great. I thought I really pulled me in. It, it had everything I loved about Barry. Um, I love the supporting cast. I really grew to love, you know, Cisco and Caitlin and all these great characters. And then I think season two was the one where it ended and I got so mad. Um, I, I really, oh. I really hated the decision Barry Allen made at end of season two to go back and save his mom. Um, because to me as a character, I was like, well, he already learned in season one that he shouldn't do that. And that was the lesson he learned. So for me, I was like him going back and doing it. It's like, that's always the line between hero and villain. It's like, if you know what's wrong and you still do it, that makes you a villain. So I, w- I struggled with season three a little bit, but it, I think it started to turn around for me. And by the time season four came in and they started getting into that, and then obviously the crossovers helped a lot. And I've since grown back in love with the show but there was a time with season three where i had a, a very love-hate relationship with the show and i think it's very fair to be honest because i season three was i mean because it was it was such a weird season and like how they because you know they had made it seem like that, that this was all going to be about uh flashpoint and that this right. was going to be a flashpoint season and uh, go on for multiple episodes and so on and then we kind of they kind of just drop it in favor of this whole Savitar storyline, and right. I, you know, like for me, I mean, I felt like this is that was Iris's worst season because of how she was treated by the writers, and you know, <clears throat> a certain former showrunner whose name we will not speak, uh, <laughs> but I, you know, but I think you know who I mean. Yes. Um, but you know, they they just thought that Iris was better used as just a victim. Barry and you know every episode throughout the second half of the season all they did was just dangle her and being like you know remember on May 22nd she's gonna die she's gonna get stabbed and like in every at the beginning of each episode you know when they did that previously on the flash you see her being stabbed you know in the future 
And I'm just like, no, I, you know, so yeah, we've come along in a lot better way since that that season. And um, because for me, like season three and season five are like my least favorite seasons. um, Mm -hmm. Because (laughs) I don't know how you feel about this, but the whole Cicada storyline, I just. mm -mm. Yeah, I wasn't a big fan of that either. I mean, that's the thing about the show, though, is what I I do like about it. And that feeds into something we'll talk about later when we talk about um comic-con stuff is is the risks that sometimes these creators take and sometimes those risks pay off and sometimes they don't and i gotta say though at the end of the day i'm always going to respect them for taking risks with characters and trying things because i'd rather them do that than you know give us something that's predictable or boring so uh, so even when i don't like things i still will go well i guess i i still respect the the risk that you took and the fact that you felt you that that was the right move at the time and hopefully the goal is that if if fans react negatively to it that they learn and they do better next time you know yeah that's fair that's like you know that's what i love about some of these these shows that like depending on who's the showrunner and so on that they 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 don't want to just stick to the comic all the time. You know they are they're willing to take something different, like you said. Like for example, I think that's why you and I, for example, love as much as I hate to give sci-fi any credit. You know that's why I think you and I love Krypton so much because Cameron Welsh and his writers team, writers room always they always respected the DC universe and they wanted to honor it in every way they could, but also like. Make sure that you know when you come to the show, you don't know what's gonna happen because yes, it is so easy to write off that kind of show. Be like, well, you know, Krypton blows up in two hundred years, so what's what's the point? And then we see it on well, you know, when Brainiac gets <laughs> when Brainiac feels like going back in time and messing with things, it's not as predictable. Um, so it's it's uh, yeah, it's been quite right for the Flash, and I, you know, whenever we do get season seven, because I still don't, I'm still like in denial that nope. We're not getting in 2021. We're not getting in January 2021. I don't believe it. I refuse to believe it. Um, it's just too good to be true. Um, but um, we actually have we actually do have some news on that front, ladies and gentlemen. Um, because right now, um, you know, we're getting towards the end of July now. Uh, well, at the time of recording, yeah, it's like literally. Uh, July 30th, so, um, but, um, Warner TV is actually starting to gear up uh, some of their Vancouver shows uh, to start filming in late August, um, and so, well, okay, so here's what's what's happening, so, um, they are eyeing a late August date, uh, for some of their shows, um, and the proposed idea still has to be be approved by the SCA, by SAG, um, and if it's approved, the plan would be to start filming somewhere between August twenty second, twenty between August twenty second to August twenty seventh. Uh, twenty seventh. Uh, why am I so nervous about saying numbers today? I'm, I don't know. Um, and so the actors who would be involved, you know, from their respective shows, they would have to arrive in Vancouver at least two weeks in advance for self isolation, which is a demand from British Columbia. Um, and once their quarantine has ended, uh, I guess you know, just to make sure that they are not. That they're carrying the virus and stuff like that, and they could then go on to film. And so, Flash and Riverdale and Superman and Lois are on the are on the front to start filming. Uh, they didn't mention Supergirl. I think Supergirl might start filming later because Melissa Benoist uh, 
is on maternity right now. I think Batwoman will definitely start filming because we know now we have a new Batwoman. So I feel like you know if there are other shows that can start filming, I think they will too. And um, but man, this is gonna be so weird though, like because some of the, see, you know some of these shows are so action oriented. Like how are they gonna do action scenes at all? If they can't stand close to each other, if they have to stand away from each other from a certain distance, like, like, what are you expecting for these shows that are like so driven by action and so on to, to do with this? You know, it, it's funny because I was listening to um, some some podcasts for Comic Con at home and stuff, and they they did address that. They talked to a couple show creators, like for Vikings. Luckily for Vikings, they already recorded all their stuff for their sixth season. Um, but then there was other shows that, you know, do reality shows, do, uh, you know, scripted TV. And they were all talking about those challenges and like what, what is involved in, you know, spacing actors out and how they, and the crew members, you know, how many, like they come in and set up and do they, they leave and they just have a small crew filming it. Um, it, it is going to change the way things are made, at least up front, like until there's, you know, an, an easy cure for, you know, uh, COVID that, you know, we can all take, uh, you know, if we get it. Um, until it's like an over-the-counter pill that we can take to get rid of it, uh, like, you know, with the flu that we can treat it, it's going to change movies for a while. And so I'm thinking not just action, because I'm a big Supernatural fan, so obviously that show has a lot of action. And Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, and they get, they get you know, they have bromance moments where they're, like, standing really close to each other, and you're like, oh, is Dean and Castiel about to kiss each other? Like, oh. um, No, 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 don't, <laughs> don't, don't start that. Don't start, because I know, I know that Phantom has some, what, what would it be, uh... <laughs> Sean, a scene. What, what, people, they're, they are brother and brother. They're brothers. They, they can't kiss each other. I mean, no, they're, no, yeah. they're, they're very pretty people. They're very pretty people. But like, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a. Uh, I know. I like. I like poking fun because those the fans of that show. Like, I'm a big fan of that show, but. I don't travel down that road, but I, I know fans do. So it's always fun to kind of poke fun at it. But with, but like with, uh, for example, with uh, Flash, you know, it's like, it'll be weird. Are we going to see a season where literally nobody kisses each other? Because um, that, uh, that's, you know, that's, you're you're asking an actor to kiss another actor during, you know, a pandemic. It's kind of like, you know, I know they're, they're paid to do it, but you also can't put their health at risk. So even if you quarantine them, I still think there's going to be that hesitation. So either there are going to be kisses and they're going to look awkward or no one's going to kiss for a whole season. Um, and same with action, you know, doing stunts and stuff like, yeah, I feel like most people will be relying on their stunt doubles a lot. And that's a shame for stunt doubles who now have to put their lives in jeopardy of, you know, cause, cause they could get sick. So there is people, I, what I liked is I heard this guy who works on, um, you know, different shows like uh, reality shows. And he was saying, you know, at, as a, as a designer, as like a set designer. Uh, and then as a stunt, I saw someone else, they were a stunt person. They were like, as people who work in these fields, it's caused them to think more creatively of how they're going to choreograph things and how they're going to design sets, you know, to keep distance apart from each other to where they still look like they're standing relatively close. And I was listening to these people talk and it was interesting to me. So it sounds like creative people are trying to come up with solutions for this to impact the awkwardness as, you know, as little as possible. Like they just, they want the shows. And when you watch it to not think about, Oh, they're, they have to stand that far apart. They have to do, you know, they're, they're going to try to do things to where it doesn't seem that intense. So I'm, I'm personally, I, I guess we'll have to see it to see how it works. Right. Yeah. 
I no, I wasn't while you were talking about supernatural. I I noted because um, um, also what what's something that was part of this report is that several of the actors of supernatural has are, are, has already been heading up to Vancouver for 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 self isolation and so on. So they can start filming the remaining episodes of their fifteenth and final season. Um, can, can y'all believe supernatural is about to end after only fifteen years? Yeah, that little show that was told it was only going to get a couple seasons and same with smallville smallville they you know they a lot of people thought it was only going to get like three or four seasons and then but i think glenn uh glenn winter one of the directors and a couple other people they were like nah this show's going to go on for 10 years and they nailed it and same with supernatural i think someone early on in supernatural was like ah this thing's going to go on for like 10 15 years and it's like wow like whoever that person is uh like they need to be my friend so they can tell me lottery numbers uh <laughs> <laughs> you know, winning the lottery today would be kind of fun. Uh, and also, super. But also, is, is supernatural? Is supernatural the show that where the, its creator had like a five season, has, have, had a five year plan, and he, even though the show got renewed for six seasons, he just didn't. He just decided he didn't want to be part of it anymore. Yeah, I think he's still. Uh, Eric Kripke is is still part of it from like a creative consulting standpoint. Um, but I don't know what that means. Like you know, some seasons it might mean. He has more say, and other seasons he may take a back seat. So, because I know he does other shows right now, I, I can't remember if he does The Boys or also. Or oh he's, yeah, he's yeah, yeah. Some, that's that's why yeah. I know his name. Yeah, so he's he's amazing. He's an amazing uh, creator, and uh, everything he touches is awesome. So yeah, he did a five season story with Sam and Dean that would have it would have been cool if it ended at season five because it would have been a complete story. But I gotta say, the stuff we got from season six till now on that show have have really made the show worth keeping around for because there's been a lot of great moments on that show. Well, well, Supernatural is also one of the most profitable shows in Warner Bros. TV's history. It has one of the biggest followings in the world uh, because, of course, you know, the streaming servers and so on and, you know, with merchandise and, you know, the fandom and so on. Like, I mean, it is... I, you know, as much as I like to joke about Supernatural, I mean, I, I saw it, I watched the first free season, but I only did it just so I could watch a season with Katie Cassidy in it because, uh, for people who listen to this podcast, I am, like, maybe the biggest Katie Cassidy fan in the world because Katie yes. Cassidy is amazing. I just said Katie Cassidy four times in a row. I'm going to stop doing that now. Um, I, um, no, you know what I just remembered? Sorry to go over the tangent, but Eric Kripke, um, because I remember what I, the first time I ever heard of his name was when, uh, they were doing, they were developing a Dead Man TV show from him. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. I kind of would. I want. I would love to see what he would have done with with Boston, actually. Uh, you know, given his you know yeah. expertise in the supernatural world, so I think that would have been cool. Um, but um, but yeah. So that, oh, it, speaking of supernatural, real quick, and to tie it back to DC, uh, for those who didn't notice, uh, there was an episode of Legends of Tomorrow recently that yes. had um. That had the car, a uh, baby, uh, in it, and uh, I think Constantine pulled some items out of the trunk of the car. So, uh, so again, tying them into the multiverse of DC, which is kind of neat. Yeah, you you know what's surprising to me is that you know, given that Warner Brothers owns Supernatural, that they ne- that they never put out like, as far as I know, they, they didn't put out like DC Supernatural books like you know making supernatural because like, i think supernatural would have been a cool thing to put into the dc universe you know especially with john constantine and stuff like that um also just well, because- there, there there are actually there are not only are there novels but there's comic books that were released 
from DC about Supernatural. I absolutely. There's been like Ooh. I think probably like twenty or thirty of them. They're they're all really good too. I may have to check them out because uh, I just also because I just want to see which is an actor looks like in in in, in comics. <laughs> uh, you should see him in anime. There's an anime. I watched it. I watched it. Yeah. With Scooby Doo. Oh my god! I only came back to watch that episode. It is the one of the funniest things I've ever seen, and it's like it yeah. is so good. I, yeah. I mean, it's. No, a, that, oh that's a good one. That's a good one. But no, there's an actual supernatural anime. Oh wow! Yeah. What, what, yeah. Do they do the voices and stuff like that? Uh, they they do for I think. I think Sam, uh, uh, Jared Padalecki, I think he does the voice of Sam through the whole season. But unfortunately, Jared had some kind of conflict scheduling. So he only did Dean's voice in the first and last episode, I think. Well, Supernatural is, I mean, either way, it's it's it's, it's amazing what they've done for this culture. So, because, you know, I mean, yeah, I, I know, you know, I've talked to other friends so who are like, you know, there's been... Sl- Good seasons, less good seasons as a show, whatever. So, but it's like it's, it still has a cultural impact, uh, and you know, I, I my only disappointment with Supernatural, like today to this day, is that Wayward Sisters did not did not happen. Because I was really looking for for Wayward Sisters because I love Kim Rhodes, uh, and yeah. I, from the little I saw of her as um, what's her character name, Jody, Jody, yep, ja- jo- Jody. Jody. I'm like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like. I would have loved to have seen that kind of be as a continuation. Because I know they tried to do another supernatural spinoff like years ago, and and that didn't yeah. work out. But I'm like, yeah, I mean, I feel there's something more. There's something in that universe that needs to keep, still go, keep going. And um, but um, but yeah, so yeah, it, it's good that your these shows are looking to start film to start filming again, and hopefully, you know, if these say if these guidelines are approved and safe safe and so on then hopefully you know we will start seeing more information coming out in the fall i mean especially with um especially with the fact that you know we're getting dc fandom on august 22nd right. um which uh you know just to, i'm not promising anything listeners but some of us on the dc podcast network we're, we're thinking about doing something that day um because I mean, look, it's gonna be impossible to just like you know just sit there and wait for articles to drop or whatever. So I think we need to give like reactions and so on. So we're, we're discussing ideas of what we could do, um, and maybe may, you know maybe maybe see maybe that's something you know if you want to be part of it, let me know because uh, um, I, I mean I definitely want to see where this is going. I kind of want to see what what kind of figure comes out of that, uh, and you know so. If you're free that day, let me know. Um, but um, but yeah, so that's all as far as the news goes. And um, now that we've done our lot of so again, guys, we haven't podcasted in like seven, in six years. So uh, yeah, be chill, be chill. Um, so so we're talking about, talk about Sandor Comic Con at home. Yes, I put in a a a, a dot dot dot. In my in my own in my own monologue because that's basically what it is. It is San Diego Comic Con at home, and uh, Seek um, who was so gracious enough to cover for us on the Flash podcast. Um, we're going to discuss. We, we're going we're to talk, talk with him about what he thought about uh, the panels that he covered, and also just about Homecom itself, and then kind of just. Talk about like how the fact that you know, we even that we got to this point in Comic Con's history that you know because of this pandemic that we got to this point and whether or not it was 
I don't want to say whether it was a success or not, because I think it was definitely a success in some degree, but, like, was it what they had hoped for? And, like, you know, and what, you know, what if, if this happens next year again, you know, what could you maybe do differently? So, uh, so you covered um, three panels, and by the time this episode goes out, uh, all of them will be up, uh, the, the third one will be up on the website and so on. Uh, but, um, but, but, yeah, what, what were your biggest takeaways from... Uh, from the panels that you get to check out and write about and just hearing these creators talk about, like, just the whole structure of it all. Well, you know, I think you're right. I think in some ways it, it definitely, it seemed like a success to me in the sense that um, they got it done. You know, like, I, as far as I know, there weren't any major technical issues with any of the panels. I think they canceled a couple panels last minute. But otherwise, for the most part, everything went up online on YouTube and wherever else they aired. And they, they're there. You can watch them. So to me, that felt like a success, that they were able to accomplish all that without any major issues. Because I think there was a couple other conventions that went on that weekend, or one, one or two other ones. And I know there were some te- technical difficulties on some of those, but those were run by fans. This was run by, obviously, an organization, and everything was pre-recorded. So to me, it made sense from a business standpoint, because you're like, all right, got to be safe. If, we did, if they did live episodes that you know, opens more opportunities for things to go wrong. And really they just want the information from the panels to reach us, the fans. So they pre-recorded everything, which was probably smart because then they could edit stuff out if anyone said anything they weren't supposed to. So to me, that felt like the safer move. And the fact that they put anything on in a, in a summer where we were originally going to get nothing, I commend them for, and I thank them for, because I did have fun watching some of these panels. I, I didn't get to watch a ton, but I think I probably watched about 12 or 13 that I really wanted to watch. And um, everything, the information we got, all the stuff I thought was fine. Uh, but I think where it failed is where, like you said, where it might matter most, which is views. Uh, this year, they did not get a lot of views. Um, and this the thing is, for years, I've wanted Comic-Con panels. I'm just like, dude, put them up online. Like, you know, let, you know, uh, you know, charge people like a fee. You put them up on a website and say, hey, if you want to watch this panel, it's going to cost like five bucks. And then you watch it. And that way you can see all the cool footage and everything. And I know they don't want to do something like that. So this year when they were, I was like, this is cool. This is kind of what I've always wanted. And um, and so we're finally going to get it. But none of the panels, I think, were that exciting to the average people. And I, when you take out all the big companies that people usually keep their eye on for Comic-Con, like Disney and Marvel, DC, like all these big companies, they didn't have a big presence there. And because they're doing you know other conventions or other online events like fandom – so it was it was tough. So in the in the view count, they they did they suffered big time, and there was not a lot of buzz. Unfortunately, there was some comic book drama um, with a with a writer and an artist that actually dominated the trending stuff on Twitter uh, for yeah. a while, and that that affected probably some of the buzz coming out. So it ended up we had New Mutants panel was the most viewed panel. And really, I think because of that is because people, one, are anticipating that movie. And two, they showed like the first three to five minutes of the movie at the end of the panel. So that was like really the the, the only real panel that gave you a treat. Everything else was just people talking. And I got to be honest, some of the panels I saw creators talking and they, they almost seem like they don't care about the comics they're working on. And they just don't seem enthusiastic. Whereas other panels, they were very enthusiastic. So it, it made me see behind the scenes of some of my writer, favorite writers in comics and see who they are in real life. And it honestly made me less of a fan of some and more of a fan of others. So, so I, for that reason, I enjoyed it. And I think it was a success on that level, but it, I think on the level that mattered financially and views and buzz, I think it massively failed on that level. 
Yeah, like for me, what what was really a bummer, I think, was I think some of the uh, the production value to it, uh, which because for me, like here's the thing, I you know I, I'm not excited or expecting that they should have like they should be sitting sitting on a set or you know have all this fancy that's going around and so on. But, like, the, you know, I feel like you know, if these were pre-recorded, because that's what I mean, we, didn't, we had no idea what was going to happen. Cause I like, I only found out on the day of that, okay, these are going to be, these are pre-recorded, uh, and they will release at all these certain hours, and that's pretty much it. But I feel like if, if they had all this time, you know, and we don't know when these were recorded, you know, if they were recorded maybe one or two weeks ago, but still you could have maybe, you know, does something more with it, and maybe added some more, just kind of more of a Comic Con feel to it, and um, especially because I think a lot of these panels, or if not all of them, were recorded over Zoom. You know, they could have maybe done something more with you know making you feel like Comic Con, maybe. But um, and yeah, like, you, you know, know what's... Oh, oh, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but actually, oh, there was one one panel I saw that does kind of what you just suggested. If you haven't seen it, the Vikings panel. Um, it was a Zoom call, but they put these cool Viking crest effects around the actors' faces instead of the, the boring squares. And then they had a like a background of Valhalla. Um, so I got to say that was actually really entertaining to watch because there was some production value there. But you're right. Everything else was just a boring Zoom chat. And and that's not to say that we're, that we're not appreciative of the fact that they even did this because you know like I mean look we, we we could have had you know last week had been one of the most quiet weeks of of all time when it was supposed to be about you know comic comic books and TV shows and movies and stuff like that um so it's definitely it's definitely like I you know it's we appreciate it and so on but at the same time like knowing that these things were or coming and whatnot, and what what technology has now allowed us to do, you know, for you know, which doesn't cost too much, depending on what you want to do, it still felt like a little disappointing that, and, you know, and I get it. This was the first time they were doing this, so right. um, I totally get it. But at the same time, I feel like given how you know what what the you know the state of the world is right now, like I think more distractions, more distractions could have been used. And and you're and you're right because you know, I've been watching you know a few more panels here and there to kind of just get an impression of you know the craze that we're following and so on. And you're right, there are some that I feel like they don't they're either very passionate, but I we I haven't been supporting them enough, or there's others that are that that I have been following, but that are really really excited anymore for what they're doing. And I'm like, and yeah, the, the drama that went down, you know, and we we're not we don't need to ha- we don't need to, need to address that if. Um, yeah. If you're a comic book fan and you know you you know you follow some of these big creators, then I think you will know who we're talking about. And you know it's very unfortunate that took so much attention and energy away from you know what was supposed to be a fun and you know an experimental con. Um, but you know some people sometimes they have to make it all about them. Um, and trust me, I look. I am no stranger about making it all about all about myself. I am like maybe the one of the biggest divas on this planet, but. <laughs> At Comic Con, it's about uni- being united and being excited and sharing your love for comic books, not going out and making these stupid statements. So, um, but yeah, I um, for me, I what I really loved my favorite panel was definitely the New Mutants panel because I, you know, you you know, you and I we talked about the Zeke, but like I have been w- waiting for the New Mutants 
for three years now because yeah. Yeah. Marvel and horror. Listen, that is, I don't know why I'm why it's such a turn on for me, but it is. I it, it it's just exciting to kind of see like what that world would look like with a horror element, and I I you know I personally wish that they would have just announced that we're dropping the movie on Disney Plus. It's happening. <laughs> but they didn't. They're all, it's, it's, you know, it was just so sad having to listen to it all and be like, yeah, I mean, it looks great. Hopefully we, we will finally get to see it someday. It's like, because <laughs> yeah, I don't think, it seems like they haven't even seen it either. At least the finished cut that is going to come out quote-unquote to theaters, even though I'm pretty sure in the next two weeks they're probably going to Announced that the, the July twenty eighth and the August twenty eighth date isn't happening anymore either because that's the thing. Some of these theaters that are still like pursuing with showing films, I mean, it is that's just gonna go to hell. Um, like I'm like I'm surprised that they, they're still promoting the mutants coming out in theaters next month. But um, <laughs> you know. Um- there's a, a earlier this year, uh, I think it was actually like in May, so not too too long ago, like two months ago, there was a movie that was um, number one in the box office for like six weeks straight. I think it's called The Wretched. Um, it's a horror movie, low budget horror movie that they decided because it was supposed to come out, I guess, at, in May or something, they didn't get their release date. And so they decided to release them in drive in movie theaters. So because drive-in movie theaters you can do social distancing at a lot of ones that were semi-operational decided to open up on the weekends and play this movie so people could come watch the movie so that so the movie was actually number one <laughs> in the box office making like you know like a hundred grand a weekend or something like that for like seven weekends in a row and i thought that was so cool and i was like you know that'd be really great for new mutants to do something along those lines where it's like hey let's just release it as this like low budget horror movie and people could just go watch it at the drive-in. Um, but I'm sure like they have to – the thing is at this panel, I love that panel too. I love all the actors that are in this movie, and I, I, I can't wait for people to see it too, like people like you. I know you're very excited. And um, and I think this movie, like they just don't know. Like they, I'm sure they wanted to go to the panel and tell people like, hey, it you know it's not coming out August 28th. It's coming out at this date. They even made a joke about it at the beginning of the panel where it was like – it was like New Mutants 2017 or 2018, then 2000, uh, April of 2018, then fall of 2018, and then 2019, and then tw- tw- 2020, and uh, and I love it. And then they said August 28th, fingers crossed. <laughs> and oh. I was like, that's, that's so great. But they, you know, they don't know. Like that's the thing is when you make a movie and you're a director, you're an actor in it and stuff like that. After you make the movie and, and even when it goes through post production, it's not in your hands anymore most of the time, especially for directors. So a lot of people think directors have hands on um, in, in the post production. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. So it sounds like Josh Boone was very involved in the making of this film from beginning to middle to end, but I, he's still not the corporation. You know, it's up to it's not up to him when to release it. So I'm glad they at least showed us the first few minutes of the movie. It got people talking, got some more buzz for the movie out there. And he did, you know, mention that they already worked on special features for the Blu-ray. And so I imagine if this doesn't come out in August, that the next move will just be to announce when the Blu-ray and the VOD is coming out. Yeah, I um... (sighs) (laughs) 
I'm sorry. I'm speaking. I'm just like. I'm just so sad. I'm just so sad because I want this movie because, like, you know, and also because I, you know, I, I, I have an investment in Josh Boone as a director because of how much he, how much he has cared for for these characters. How you know? Because I mean, he even talked about like what he was going to do with the trilogy and so on. And now we know that that's definitely you know we're not going to get a trilogy because uh, I mean unless unless. Unless the movie does so well that that Marvel that that, that Kevin Feige is like, all right, fine, whatever. <laughs> uh, although I think he's gonna be, I think he will, he's gonna be petty and be like, no, you know, yes, it made money, but you know, I want, I want MCU horror to you know to be the one that does success for us. So like, yeah, it, I mean, it does feel like almost, almost a little bit like this is like trying to mess with this film because it came from Fox, um, but. It, I, th- I think it's more that they're just obligated to release it, and they they kind of begrudgingly are releasing it. That's at least my opinion. I feel like they're like, look, it's maybe it was even part of the contract. Like when Disney bought Fox, Fox like, hey, all of our movies that are in production right now, they all have to be released. Like you know, you ha- that's in the contract. But whether that means released in theaters or released, you know, however, that could be up to Disney. So all I care about at the end of the day is this movie gets to see the light of day because it was clear after watching that panel that everyone who made it has a deep passion for it. They talked about the, the, the romance story between uh, rain and uh, Danny moon, you know, uh, Danny Moonstar. And so to me, all that was really great. Those are all great elements of the movie. Um, and so I, you know, it's just one of those things where you're like, get it out there, get, get it in people's in front of their faces so they can see it, whether you put on Hulu, cause obviously Disney owned Fox and Fox's, owned hulu so now disney has hulu so you can throw it on hulu like you said you can throw it on disney plus you can throw it on a a video on demand whatever you do just get that movie out there and don't make us wait till spring of next year to go see it in the theater (laughs) yeah exactly because you know because it makes me you know because when i see them behaving like this it makes me kind of less interested in supporting them in other projects because i'm like well you know I you know even if they if Fox didn't you know even if Fox produced this you know disney you bought that you you bought their their studio, and you have an obligation, like like C says, to release all their films. And, and well, I don't know the, the the I don't know if that's their deal, but if it's their deal, that's probably why this movie just keeps getting new release dates instead of them just you know canning it. Well, I mean, I, I, I get like you know one of the main, biggest reasons for the delay is because of COVID, but the fact that they haven't sure. said anything else now is like 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 because you know today is July thirtieth. The movie is supposed to come out like in less than a month from now, and I'm like, right. this is this is irresponsible. Like, this is not the way. <laughs> like, you should you should be pushing this back, or you know, like find a different way to get it out. Like, I like the driving idea, I really do. I really like this, the driving idea, because um, that way you can sit in your car. You know, you don't have to engage with others, and also if the movie gets scary, you know, you can just be in your car knowing that they, you know, no one will attack you, you know, that no creative will come out. Um, but <laughs> yeah, drive-ins are fun. I think that's the future of movies is drive-in theaters again, which is funny because, you know, podcasts, for example, to me are just like old radio shows and, and those are popular. So it, it's just funny how, how we tend to go back to older technologies, uh, you know, in modern times. So I think drive-in theaters could say AMC needs to open up a chain of drive-in theaters. I, I you, oh by the way so I just realized something because because I just yeah. said July thirtieth and I just realized why this day why today is such a special date. Um, seven years ago, today, 
the CW announced that they were developing the Flash for CW. Hey, all right. So it's like, yeah, because I usually I, you know, I, I I'm all, I always make sure I remember July thirtieth because you know that wasn't. I mean, that's the day I you know when I heard the show wasn't announced. You know, like that. I mean, that's the infamous story that I said. You know, I was, you know, um. I was in the toilet, and then I get my phone blows up and say that there's a Flash TV show coming. Um, you know, just shave. I was just shaving because so I I ran out with she, you know shaving cream in all of my face, looking like a Santa. You know, registering the Flash Twitter account. Um, nice. So, so happy birthday, Flash! I guess. Um, yep. Although I I like to think of the Flash's birthday as also October seventh because that's when it premiered on, on in 2014. And October seventh, right. October seventh is my birthday. So like, I like to say that I have the same fl- t- birthday as a Flash <laughs> TV show. Um, yeah. But uh, but let's go on to um, the, the panels that you covered. You covered uh, three panels for us. Uh, that you know, it's um, most of them. You know, two two of them are already up on the side at this point. So before that, we had uh, Todd McFarlane's DC Multiverse, uh, making me one by one to buy action figures again. But you know. Wallet is empty. Um, talk about talk to me about um, that that release. Well, for I mean, for me, I'm I'm a huge Todd McFarlane fan. I mean, obviously, I do my Venom vlog show on YouTube, and Todd co-created Venom with David Michelini. But then uh, Todd also created a character named Spawn, who I'm a huge fan of. Spawn's one of my Al Simmons is one of my favorite comic book characters of all time, and I have all 308 issues that are currently out of Spawn. I have all of them. Um, I've met Todd. Whenever he sees me, he calls me Big Bad Seek, which is very funny. I don't know why he does it. Uh, but, what? Uh, <laughs> why does he yeah. call you Big Bad Seek? I don't know. It's like he, And then he did an intro for one of my YouTube shows once, and he was like, hey, Big Bad Seek is here. And I'm like, why do you always call me that? Um, but uh, he's he's just the nicest guy in the world, and he's very smart business-wise. And I think it was very smart for DC, who I thought were struggling with their merchandising, because I follow toys. I'm, you know, I'm a toy collector, you know, but I – I pay attention to the business side of toys more than anything because I worked at Lego and I, I get into the behind-the-scenes stuff of making toys and and, uh, and selling toys. And I saw DC. They had their multiverse line. It wasn't selling very well. They were working with, I think, Mattel. And this, the line wasn't doing well, especially considering they were up against Marvel Legends from Hasbro and Disney and Marvel. That like Hasbro stuff just kills. Like I love Transformers. I love G.I. Joe. I love you know all that stuff they put out. So – so to me, it was smart for them to make a deal with McFarlane because he, to me, still makes the best action, action figures in all of action figures. Like, I, I don't care. I love Hasbro. I love all those other guys. But no one's as detailed and as full of articulation and as comic accurate as McFarlane toys are. I mean, he does great stuff. And he does stuff for Fortnite now and all these other big properties that he has. Um, he had Game of Thrones stuff at one point. So on Halo, he had the Halo line for years and years. I have a lot of those Halo figures he made. So when I heard he was jumping over to DC and he was going to make DC figures, I immediately was like, I'm buying all of them. And currently to this day, um, as of just two days ago, when I got Azrael, I have every single Todd McFarlane DC figure. Um, he releases about, you know, I think he released like eight or nine at first. And then every like couple months, he releases two or three more. So he did Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman from Wonder Woman 84. He did her in her regular costume and in the gold armor. Um, so... And he's done like uh, Stephen Amell Arrow. He's done Harley Quinn from the animated series. So he picks different universes of DC and makes figures based off of them. 
and they they're great. Like I wish he would do a Margot Robbie uh, a Harley Quinn, but um, he's got a, a but he announced new ones. So we, we have a cyborg coming up, but fr- a cyborg from the Teen Titans animated show. So it's yes. it's the level. Of- which is so good. And I'm like, it's the level of detail you expect from a McFarlane toy, but it's designed and shaped like an animated figure. And I'm, and it looks just like the cartoon. Like it's so accurate. And that blew me away. So when I saw that, and then I saw we're getting our first flash toy from McFarlane and he's doing two versions of flash one by himself and one in a two pack. Uh, they have different head sculpts. So if you, you know, so if you're a hardcore collector, you can buy them both, but in the two pack you get, you know Barry Allen Flash, and you get Red Death with him, which is a the the Flash Bruce Wayne hybrid from the DC Metal comic book. So when I saw all those, I was like, I know my first article for Andy for Flashpoint for Flash, you know, Flash podcast is we got to talk about these Flash figures because there's a Flashpoint Bruce Wayne or Flashpoint Thomas Wayne Batman yeah. coming out. As, when I saw Flash stuff and Cyborg, I was like this is going to be my first article. So that's why I covered it for you, and I'm glad you were excited to to let me do that because I know we didn't talk about that originally, but when I brought it up to you, you were like, do it, dude, do it. And I was I was so happy to do it, man. Those figures look amazing. Yeah, and I'm looking I'm looking I'm going for uh if you get if you heard me guys clicking in the background, it was because I was going through the slide, um just to look at the uh, the photos again. Like the Red Death one looks so damn detailed. I'm uh, um but you know, but we gotta give my boy Red Hood some love. Our yeah. boy Red Hood because I'm like okay first of all Mr McFarland with all respect, Nightwing yeah. is black is blue and black, not red and black. Well, well, with all due respect, there already is a blue and black Nightwing from McFarlane. But right, but okay, okay. What I'm saying is that we need this idea that he that he at one point was red and black. This should not like we should not we should not raise our children with this idea. Like he, like Lion Wing is blue and black and black and um but you know I will but I'll digress. Um no. Wing is the color of a punch to the face. You're black and blue. Um exact Oh god, that is such a good that's <laughs> Oh my god, like I could like if there had been like let's say like a separate DVD DVD release for the episode uh, when Night where Dick becomes Nightwing on Titans uh, yeah. and they put like the the the, the description should be uh, Nightwing uh, say it one more time. Oh, uh, Nightwing should be the color of a punch to the face, black and blue. That should be like the slogan of that marketing. <laughs> um, no, but these flash toys look so. Like they look so detailed, and I, I mean, Red Death. I mean, I'm you know because I know there's been some people wondering if he's coming to the TV show at some point because they've been, they said his name several times, you know, right. a few times, um, but the but the but the Thomas Wayne, the Thomas Wayne the one though, like okay, I don't know what I love most if it's like the detail to the cape, you know, because you know they have those like little horns on the side uh or if it's uh you know the the the, the his bat logo i don't know which which part i love it the most but yeah they they look so detailed and like and so good and i am um, but my for the red hood one i i got a, i'm such a big sucker for red hood uh jason todd is you know maybe the best one out of all those bad family characters um you know, people like if you want to find me, you can find me at Andrew Bag, where I will completely <laughs> ignore you. Um, be- but no, I'm 
No, they, they you know, like I, you know, I haven't like had like, a big passion for toys and, and collectibles and so in a while. But just seeing seeing all this again, I'm like, you know what? Like, I, this is what I this is what I miss with uh, at least my early days in Comic Con, where I had more time to kind of absorb and see what they were doing and releasing. Um, so uh, no, but and also that's. <laughs> You gotta, you gotta ask Todd McFarlane why he keep call like why he calls you Big Bad uh, Zeke. <laughs> like, did you? I think it might be a reference to something you may have said on one of your one of your episodes uh, or one of your videos, and you're just like it, forgot maybe. It could be. I don't know. I, I'll, yeah. I mean, I, I don't talk to him. I, I I have his publicist email, so if I ever I'm waiting for more movie news to come out before I start emailing them because I told them I wanted to start a spawn show so I could follow the movie news. Um, but I have to, I'm waiting to, you know, for the, for more news to come out on that movie, which Todd mentioned at Comic-Con we might get more of. There's a great documentary that just came on sci-fi about Todd called the hell I won't. Um, and what's cool about the figure, <laughs> the, 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 the hell I won't, <laughs> the hell I won't. I love Todd, man. He's so, he's so funny. He's very direct, very to the point. Um, and he's a smart business guy, which I like, and he's creative. So it's, it's hard to, to be that. And he's, he's both. It's like Kevin Feige, Kevin Feige's both. Todd's both. And he's, he's just like that. Stan Lee was both. Um, so these guys are great people to have in this industry because I think they help keep the industry going. I mean, Spawn still is a two ninety nine comic book and that's unheard of today. Like, you know, two, uh, most comics are four ninety nine now, uh, but Todd is still pumping out two ninety nine comics for Spawn. And you know, the cool thing for me as a, on a personal level is my mom and I, uh, we used to hunt for figures together. That was the one thing we did when I was like a teenager and my mom would always say, I would rather take my son to buy him, you know, McFarlane toys than him spend money on drugs. You know, she's like, there's way worse things that a teenage boy could be buying. And even now she's like, there's way worse things a, a grown person could be buying than, than these collectibles. And so it's a connection to my mom too. So, you know, anytime a new spawn set would come out, we'd go to the Toys R Us back when those existed and we would, she would buy me the whole set of spawn figures. We would hunt them down and we would go to like two different targets, two different Walmarts, you know, target, you know, uh, Toys R Us's and we'd try to find them all in, in, in like one day and we would go toy hunting. And so now she still does it. She's like, Hey, I'm at Walmart and I saw Azriel and I was like, are you kidding? She goes, no, uh, me and your brother are going to buy it for you. And I was like, okay. Cause she knew I was missing Azriel. So yeah. So, you know, my, my mom got me Azriel and, and I thought that was just the coolest thing. So even still to this day, it's it's a personal co- connection for me with McFarlane uh, to me and my mom and toy hunting with her. And, you know, and so when her and her brother, my, her and my brother found uh, Azrael for me and they completed my set. So now I have all the current McFarlane figures, but I'm broke. I know you're broke. I'm sorry that, you know, wrote this article that makes you want to buy the toys. So hopefully when these things come out closer to Christmas, hopefully you and I have some Christmas money we can spend and get yes. some of these toys. I agree, uh, especially yeah. because you know, you know, it's so funny because you know me gushing about Red Hood, you know, because um, for people who don't don't know that, so just a few days ago they just announced that they're doing a prequel movie to Batman right. Under the Red Hood. Uh, you can go watch Seek's reaction on the Venom blog, and also, by, I don't know why I didn't introduce Venom blog as part of your introduction early on. I am a fool. Uh, That's okay. Uh, so, like, <laughs> I will, you know, go to youtube.com slash Zeke Donnelly, uh, there will be links in the, in the description, of course, and so on. Uh, but you can watch his reaction to the trailer, and uh, I... It's also... This, 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 okay, so, if I understand this correctly, you're a, you're going to be able to... And I can't believe they're doing this to my son once again, but um, they are... 
I mean, listen, Jason Todd is my son. I've declared on the Times podcast that Jason Todd is my boy. If I would have <laughs> any offspring or like, you know, surrogate offsprings, it would be Jason Todd because he is, he's loud, just like me. He's cocky, just like me. He is misunderstood, just like me. <laughs> I feel misunderstood, but you can actually, similar to, to the comic book, Death in the Family, you can actually vote for his outcome, and you can see two different endings, from what I understand. Uh, multiple endings, actually. So, uh, and like you, I, I mean, I love Jason too, and uh, and and like you, you know, I tried to kill Black Mask just like Jason, and you know, the the cool thing about the character is that when I was a kid, I actually voted to. to have him live like i was i was reading comics at that time jace when i got into comics it was right after it was right around the christ on infinite earths in the mid 80s and i got into the comics soon after and i was reading batman year one and then right after batman year one was a reintroduction to jason todd and then soon like a year or two two years later he died and i had a call to save his life and i called and unfortunately i got outvoted um and fans (laughs) chose to kill him instead so now we have that power in our hands where we get to watch this movie and they retell the the death from Under the Red Hood, the animated movie. So it's in done in that animation style. It looks like Bruce Greenwood's coming back as Batman's voice, and uh, John DiMaggio as Joker, who did a really great job in that movie. And it looks like it ties into that movie. Only you get to choose the outcome. So it's it's like a multiverse story, but it's a choose your own adventure. And now I have the power to vote to save Jason, and he'll actually be saved. And so you have three choices when he dies. You can either have Batman save him. You can have him die like he does in the comics, or you can have him, uh, the explosion still happen, but Jason crawls out and saves himself. So, so there's three outcomes. And then even from there, after you pick one, you still get multiple choices later. Does Jason kill Two-Face? Yes or no? And then you pick. So there's going to be multiple endings to this movie. So I think if you watch it one time through, it's probably going to be like, you know, a short film, like 20 to 30 minutes, maybe tops. But if you watch all the different versions of it that are possible, you could it, you're probably going to get you know two two and a half, you know maybe two hours worth of content there. So I'm excited to check this out. You have one version where Jason becomes Red Robin. You have one version where he becomes like a Hush character, and one version where he just becomes Red Hood like he does normally. So I can't wait to to explore this Blu-ray. Uh, it comes out like in September or something like that, and I'm so oh happy. they announced looks- the, they announced the date. I oh you know what maybe they didn't I I can't remember because I I remember the trailer having something at the end but now that you say that you're right maybe they didn't have a date on it so I'm Man, hoping it you comes. got me excited like you made me actually excited <laughs> to be so excited sorry. for fall and no I'm, it's it's all good <laughs> no I uh the trailer I mean I, I'm just pulling out the trailer again and it's just the animation like it's because that like you know look and we maybe you and I need to do an episode about it at some point but like the earliest the, the earliest DC animation movies you know in like the past twenty years. I mean, the, the high standard was from Superman and Batman Public Enemies. Uh, like, that animation was so beautiful. And then we've gotten so much different variety of movies like Batman Year One, uh, Batman Under the Red Hood. And, like, all those animations were, like, they were some of my favorite movies to watch. When it, you know, because that's the thing. Marvel may have had, you know, like, a bigger success with the cinematic universe than maybe DC has, although that's gonna, that is changing. Uh, but in animation, DC has always been on Prime when it comes to their animated films uh, and pretty much most of television. Um, but yeah, really? I'm I'm excited for Death in the Family, and you know I I haven't bought like a Blu-ray for any 
movie in a very long time. So like this might be the first time I actually do it, also because I just want to own that cover in my hand, uh, in my hands. <laughs> because um, I mean, yes, I mean, look, I'm not saying that I love the fact that he that he that he died, uh, but that's what made him such a great character. The only thing that I'm pissed off about right now with Jason Todd in the DC Universe is the fact that he has the most horrendous costume change of all time. Like, I don't know, he oh, looks... You don't, oh, he... you don't like him wearing a hood? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't like I don't like that it's so literal. <laughs> um, He's got a red hood now, finally. <laughs> well, you know, well, then he, you know, you know ha... I was gonna make it really back. Bad. You know, one of my favorite things, because like, I used to talk to uh, not a lot, but when I see him at conventions, I would always talk to Judd Winnick about Jason Todd because I always love hearing Judd Winnick's perspective on Jason because I feel like he's the guy who kind of brought Jason back, uh, to, you know, with Under the Red Hood. So he's kind of the guy I always go to and ask, like, "Hey, what's your perspective on Jason?" So even though Scott Lodell has written the longest of Jason, he's written Jason now for like eight years or something. And Red Hood and the Outlaws and stuff, which, um, you know, has good parts in that book, too. There's been ups and downs. But I think with Judd Winnick, what I always like hearing him say is like, I'm like, hey, why doesn't I asked him once? I was like, why doesn't Jason just kill Joker? And he said, because Jason doesn't want to kill Joker. I said, what do you mean? He, he clearly wants Joker dead. He goes, he goes, no, he wants Bruce to kill Joker. And once he said that to me, it really put Jason's, um, you know, a journey in my head uh, very differently because I, I thought, wow, that's. That's never going to happen for the most part. I mean, it, help, it happens in Elseworlds where Bruce might kill Joker, but it doesn't happen typically in, in the main universe. So uh, that's why I'm excited for three Jokers coming up by Jeff Johns and yeah. uh, Jason Fabok. Like, that's going to deal with some of that. And, uh, you know, in that version, if there's three Jokers running around, technically you could kill two of them and you can still have Joker staying around. So, <laughs> so, oh <my> <laughs> so, so to me, I'm, I'm very excited. I'm so excited to read that book. Maybe we'll get two Joker de- deaths. Um, but anyway, I you know so I I like you. I'm like the I like the character. I, I see a lot of uh, there's a lot of interesting things about him. But he, one thing he struggles with is identity. So it makes sense that he would change his costume sometimes because even in that storyline countdown, I believe he was Red Robin for a while. So um and that also seems to be happening in this animated movie. So yeah, I love it, man. I'm, I'm I love the character. He's cool. I know he. Uh, I mean, look. If I ever, if there ever is a Red Hood TV show, and you know, because you know, all you all, all you people out there li- listening, you know, that I am a, a podcast alcoholic. Uh, like that might be the one where I'm like Zeke. I'm not gonna take a no for an answer. We're gonna podcast about Red Hood till until our lungs give out. Um, I'll make you that. I'll make you that deal. If Red Hood is is has his own show, I will. I'll drop everything I'm doing, and I will do that show with you. The one thing that Chrysler should have done, the one thing Chrysler should have done is had Jensen Ackles. Because he has his own Red Hood costume, y'all. He, <laughs> they should have had yeah. him show up for a couple of seconds and just, like, I mean, God, I would have loved it if Jensen Ackles, if he would have shot, like, Stephen Mell or something like that. I don't know. Like, I mean, the characters, not the actors himself. Yeah. I love Stephen Amell. Question mark. Yeah, I know. Oh, I love Steve. He's great. Uh, but like, it would have been like that's the one thing. I'm like, he's in Vancouver. He has his costume. They work on the CW. They work both work for Warner Brothers TV. They're both friends. How could Jensen Agro just be like, I can do a cameo for free, y'all? It's all good. Like, ah. I know. Well, I know that Jared Padalecki has uh, Texas uh, Walker coming up, his own show. So if Jensen doesn't cameo in that show from time to time. I hope he does find a 
uh, something in the DC universe to, to play. Cause I, I, I maybe because of the red hood connection, since he did the voice for the cartoon, like I've always wanted him to be something in the DC universe. And, and who, who knows, maybe we'll get that now that supernatural is over. Yeah. And so just also, he isn't just always going to be known as Lana Lang's inappropriate boyfriend on Smallville. <laughs> um, I mean, listen, listen, that would not have worked today. I mean, it, looked, I mean, it didn't really work back then either, but like when season four was airing. But if this had happened today, there would have been more of an outrage then because she was dating her football coach. Um, even though they, well, made, they made it made each other in Paris and stuff like that. Um, also, just like all both, y'all, y'all know, listeners, we're both major small fans. So, like, Zeke is getting everything that I'm saying right now. Um, but it is. Yeah, I, um, we some of us on DC Park, we always like dreamed about like Jensen Ackles being cast as like Hal Jordan for the CW. Um, ah, okay. mm-hmm. but um, but like if we could somehow make it like you know like have him be a red a red hood that has been operating for years now like on his Earth, that I mean again, he did. A he's, I mean, he's prime age for a Batman too. Well, we already have a Batman now in the CW universe. You know, we have an actor playing him, um, thanks to Batwoman. Or, you know, if that's going to... Batwoman season two, I'm as excited as I am for the new Batwoman. I don't know what mm-hmm. the hell that season's going to look like uh, because of the Hush storyline. Uh, you know, because now, you know, technically, you know, Warren Christie is our Bruce yeah. Wayne. Uh, right. But... Jensen Ackles, like, he belongs in the DC universe, and we need to see that. Like, I mean, I get, I'm, maybe he will show on Superman Low as, as some, as some, as a character or something like that. Yeah, that's cool. Maybe, yeah, he could play Zod. <laughs> Ooh. I mean, he, because Jensen Ackles has a deep voice, like, him saying Neil before Zod would be maybe yeah. the sexiest thing he's ever said. Um, <laughs> but I will digress. I will digress. And yeah, for people who, like, you know, like, listen... I, you know, I'm not trying to, um, I'm not trying to sexualize, uh, Jason Ackles, but, you know, he, his voice is so gruff and deep. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, ladies, you know what I mean, right? Yeah, okay, there we go. So, I mean, it's, he's, Jason Ackles, I love Jason Ackles so much, like, I just wish that we, like, he was in the air was already, and now that Supernatural is over... It needs to happen. So, uh, but but uh, but let's go on to the next panel that you covered, which was DC Death Metal, and like, and you got like here. here this this is what Seek does. Like he like when I go watch when I watch Venom Log and so on. There's a lot of times where like there's things that I'm not like not reading or that I'm not familiar with. So and he will bring up something and introduce me to something. And I'm like, I'm I'm an idiot. How I'm not, how how I'm not being following this already? And he, he did it again because. The, he covered um, the, the 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 day two DC panel uh, that based on you, what you and I talked about was a little bit more exciting, I guess, compared to um, day one. Yeah. Uh, yes. So, uh, but they talked about, but one of the things they talked about was death metal. So, um, you want to, you know, just for people who don't know, like what death metal is, uh, can you give it a little little rundown what it is uh, if they haven't checked it out already? Yeah, sure. So. Um... So I know the DC movie universe has Zack Snyder, um, you know, doing a lot of the, you know, kind of architecting a lot of their movies. So in the comic books, we have Scott Snyder and Scott Snyder, when he first got into comics, he was doing a book called American Vampire that led him to write Batman for a while. 
when Grant Morrison was writing Batman. And so that was when Dick Grayson was Batman and Damien was Robin. So that's where Scott Snyder got his start was doing that. And then he got the new 52 title Batman and wrote Bruce Wayne again and then proceeded to write, you know, one of the top selling DC books for years and years and years with Greg Capullo, who's a former Spawn artist and an amazing artist, amazing guy, too. And the two together, the two of them did, you know, like a 52 issue run of just awesome Batman stuff. So naturally, DC was like, hey, man, you've you've made us a lot of money, <laughs> you know, like, so why don't you, you know, take the reins, do a big event book. And so that's where he came up with a book called Metal, which is um, kind of a reintroduction to Inth Metal and Hawkman lore. Uh, but it also ties into, you know, we have the 52 main universes that we always talk about in DC, but it turns out there's also a, a dark multiverse called, that's what it's called, the dark multiverse, but there's 52 negative uh, worlds where everything there went horribly wrong. And so over there, we have a Batman who is essentially infected by Joker, like the Arkham Knight game. So it's a Batman with Joker DNA in him. And so he's the he's the brilliant mind of both people. And he's called the Batman who laughs and he's the leader of a group of Batman. Some who are, there's a Batman who's mixed with cyborg called, uh, I think murder machine is his name. Uh, oh there's a Batman, so... <laughs> there's, a, there's a Batman mixed with flash who is red death. Obviously mm-hmm. um, we have Batman mixed with a, a, a Mira and it's called um, the, the drowned is the name of the, the character. Um, so she's like the Aquaman of that world, but with Bruce Wayne, you know, kind of a Bruce Wayne mentality. Um, then you have Ares, the God of War, who's mixed with Batman, called the Merciless. Um, and then you have uh, a Doomsday uh, mixed with Batman called the Destroyer. And you also have a Green Lantern uh, Batman, as well, Bruce Wayne as well, who got the Green Lantern ring immediately after Joe Chill killed his parents. And then he was able to corrupt the ring and get it to kill Joe Chill. Um, so everything, obviously, in this multiverse especially for Bruce Wayne, has gone horribly wrong. And uh, and the Batman Who Laughs has these three Robins with him that are undead. They're like zombie vampire Robins called the Crows. And uh, and you have them following him around. So you have, they invaded our universe, or the main DC universe in Metal, the first book. So now they're doing a book, a sequel to it, called Death Metal, which is basically everything Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo have been working on since they started working together with the New 52. Everything from that Batman number one up until now is all going to pay off in death metal. And it also is going to pay off things that happened in every crisis. So there's actually going to be moments in this book, from what I understand that reference or do directly reference Christ on infinite earths, final crisis, infinite crisis, you know, uh, zero hour, everything that's ever happened in DC multiverse battles, uh, doomsday clock, all of it matters. Um, and it's all going to culminate in this big crossover, which there's two issues out now and pretty soon they're going to be, releasing tie-ins like speed metal, which is what I wrote, you know, talked about a little bit in the article where, um, you know, you have the, the flashes play a big, important part in every crisis. Uh, obviously, I know. Barry oh, died. Yeah. In- yeah. We lose. Yeah. He's always one of our boys that has to get sacrificed <laughs> for these damn crises. It's like, you know, when Dan and Dia was joking about like, at, uh, we, I was in a heroes in crisis, um, um, breakfast for D- for DC at Comic-Con a few years ago and you know they were joking about you know well you know when there's a crisis there's always something bad happening from a flood I'm like can you leave my boys alone like come on like how much was, how much crap is Barry Wally Wally and Bart and Jay oh good lord the way they treated Bart 
for, in the new Fury 2, yeah. I'm still like, it makes me vomit. But I'm like, like, can you leave my boys alone? Like, like can you go, go take one of them damn lanterns? Like, they, you know, like, look, only Hal has really <laughs> suffered. Like, listen, he, he became Spectre and then he became Para. Parallax. Right. I almost said paradox. That's I should not be saying that. But like, you go go take one of the damn. You know what? Take take Guy Gardner. We don't need Guy Gardner. Nobody cares about Guy Gardner. Just take him. Leave leave my speakers alone. That's, that's Irish representation you're talking about. There. <laughs> listen, listen, listen. Unless John Cena is playing him in some movie or TV show, I do not care. He is so uh, annoying, and I just. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Where I go, there's always someone that gives me flag whenever I go against Guy Garner. The Green Adam podcast will sometimes get like because sometimes John like dry, like dry, just trolls me that he like like yeah. but he's like you know but I actually do like Guy Garner. I'm like what's what is there to love? I'm like you know what if one of these damn crises needs to take someone, leave my Flash boys and women <laughs> alone. We they they they've been hurt enough. Leave them alone. I will become like you know whoever it was that did that leave Rooney alone video. Like leave them alone. They have I, so I, much I, going on right I now. Say, I will say this: outside of the flashes, who definitely have not had it good in comics, um, I will say some people that I think have had it a little worse is probably Hawkman and uh, Donna Troy, because I feel like oh, their or, their origins get. <laughs> change like every year it's it's so rough for those characters um so yeah wait, at, wait, at some wait, point sorry oh, sorry go, on. Yeah. go ahead oh, i was just gonna say at some point they just got to leave these these guys alone and torture somebody else i agree with you yeah uh what i was gonna ask was like which which, which version of the hawk man do you like do you like the the, the fangar version or the one that keeps getting reincarnated I'll say this: the the reincarnated one to me is a is a far more fascinating story. But after you do it a couple times, it, it does get old. So um, I personally liked what they did on the animated series, where they had a Shira was there was like a she, she was betrothed to Hawkman from Thanagar, but she fell in love with John Stewart, who's my favorite Green Lantern. So to me, I always liked the animated version because it was nice and clean. But then they later on brought in and just like Unlimited. They did bring in Carter Hall, and they had the reincarnation story. So, um, and I think that was written by Jeff Johns, even that episode. So, yeah, they did. They, you know, I feel like, I, you know, I like both, but I feel like the one does get old after a while. You know, the the reincarnation one, but it is a cool story. It'd, it'd be good for a movie, I say. It'd be good for a movie. Well, supposedly Hawkman is going to be in Black Adam, so yeah, that'd be great. And I know Adam Smasher is too, so I'm excited for that as well. Oh yeah, oh, my god, he's so young cuz like my the aspect that I remember is from the Flash when Edge played him and yes. and I know we did a commentary recently for for that episode and like I was the one who was like but he's so pretty. Like do we have to like do we have to stop him? Um but um I um, the, the the panel though like I like you said the the first day one panel I felt like yeah, you know, I'm not gonna name any names, but I felt like some of the creators there were just kind of they're like, "Hey, what are you working on?" or "What? Tell me about your book." And they're like, "Uh, uh you know," uh, and then they, you know, and I get it. So a lot of times, writers are introverts and everything like that. But then you got someone like Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo, who they're just all energy, and that's what made me love their panel so much, or their section of day two panel, because they had like a good 20 minute section in the middle there with their editor, and they it was so good. Like they were so energetic. They were like. 
we're going to bring in an army of Lobos and we're going to have all oh, the flashes. God. We're going to have all the flashes racing to save humanity. And I'm just, and then you see like, you know, Bart and Wally and I love how we had to say Wally twice. I know it's Wallace, but it's like, you got Bart, Wally, Wally, uh, you know, Barry, and, and you got other speedsters and it's like, they're all running together, outrunning the, uh, the Batman who laughs in his new form where he's like a Dr. Manhattan um, Wally West has Dr. Manhattan powers too, which was uh, shown in a book recently called Flash Forward, which I thought was really good. And I just, it's really neat. It's like all these big, weird, risky, risk taking ideas all coming together in this death metal book is just the funnest thing. And, and Wonder Woman's the main character, like Batman Who Laughs, is he's able to outthink Bruce Wayne at every turn. Uh, Bruce Wayne is a Black Lantern right now, he's, uh, he's actually the new Necron. Uh, so he's resurrecting Jonah Hex and all these dead heroes to fight against uh, the Batman who laughs. But the Batman who laughs already predicted this would happen. So that's why Wonder Woman's in the lead, because she's a little less predictable than Bruce Wayne. In fact, she even surprises the Batman who laughs by cutting him in half with an invisible chainsaw in the first issue. So it's a wild, crazy book. It's awesome. There's a Batman who's a transformer. There's a Batman who's the Adam, like Ray Palmer, <laughs> and they call him Batam. Uh, it's it's so wacky and it's, it's, so, it's so crazy. It's so crazy. You can't help but laugh. But like when you're laughing, you're you're having fun. It's it's actually it reminds me of old school comic books where it's like, hey, none of this really makes any sense, but. But it, but there is a clear story here. You understand the stakes. You understand what they're fighting for, and it's, and then there's just a bunch of wackiness thrown in, and it's a good time, man. So yeah, if anyone out there is not reading Death Metal, only two issues are out. I don't know. I say pick them up if you're a DC fan. And you want to see, you know, this this universe through the eyes of Scott Snyder and uh, Greg Capullo. Like I think you'll enjoy yourself. Yeah, now that I know there's only two issues out, I mean, I will definitely go check it out because I I can tell you, listen, we're definitely gonna cover Speed Metal. Um, yes. Yes. Because, like, you know, also because it's been such a long time since, because we never really get to cover like weekly comics in that way. And so we usually we did it on the website and so on. But then you know, there's been so much going on in in the world right now this year that it's kind of it's kind of taking a back seat. But like this, like you know, you kind of be able to start from the front and so. On. And yeah, we have the article up. Uh, you know, with that seek breaks down about DC death metal and also about speed metal and the cover. I mean, there's the two Wallies. There is Jay and like Jay Garrick looking like 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 punk style, like that yeah. is so that is so damn though. I it's almost like I kind of just want to say this drama to ship and be like, listen, I'm not saying that you need to pitch it to the show, but can you pitch it to the show like as a fun <laughs> idea? Um, drama to ship, bless my heart. Um, now for the final panel. And this is one of one, one of my favorite people. Uh, David Goyer had a spotlight panel, uh, and uh, what were some of your takeaways from what he was talking about? Because you know, because you know, and you know, we talked about it a couple of nights ago. Um, yes, yeah, you know, we talk a lot, and uh, you guys don't get to so. <laughs> I'm so because we know when we talk about geek stuff, like you know, we can go on for hours and it's so much fun. But we talked about you know that David Gore, you know, like you know, he ha- he's had a few hits and misses, but he's still done a huge contribution to this industry and for the superhero for the superhero genre. So, what were some of your takeaways from from uh, what he was talking about? You know, I you know David Goyer is is one of my favorite screenwriters. Um, even when I. If I if I see a movie he wrote that I don't like, I, I still like the guy because 
I've he's one of the first people I've I took notice of as far as like you know learning about how movies are made. He did a movie with Van Damme in 1990, I think, called Death Warrant. It was his first movie, and then he proceeded to do a couple other like low budget, lame action movies until the mid 90s when he was asked to um, take on Blade, which unfortunately he worked on, but it didn't come out till like five years later in the end of the 90s. But in that time, in that five years, he got to work with the Crow franchise, which that's one of my favorite comic book movies ever with Brandon Lee. Um, And he got to make the sequel to it. And he originally pitched a sequel where it was a female Crow who was pregnant, who got killed by Jack the Ripper. And she was going to come back and get revenge on Jack the Ripper. And then that movie didn't get made. They ended up making just like a just a complete knockoff of the first movie for the most part. And so Goyer's a really interesting guy because I feel like a lot of times he has really smart ideas that don't end up on screen because of studio interference. And, but he's also that kind of guy that doesn't complain about studio interference. He, he knows it's part of the process. So this interview was really neat for me because I know you love him because you're a big fan of the DC stuff he's done. Like, you know, obviously he's worked on the Batman movies of the Nolans, but then he also did, um, you know, man of steel and you know, he, to me, that is where one of those movies where I'm like, yeah, I don't like some of the decisions they made in this movie personally, but I, I respect the risks they took. But to me, the risk didn't pay off just for me as, you know, personally. So he talked about that. And that's what I wanted to write the article on, which is why actually this article was really hard because the other two articles I gave to you, I did like two drafts of them. And I was like, these are good. I'm sending them to Andy. But this one, I took like, I finished a version of it on Monday. And then I spent three days like editing it um, because I found that I actually found myself like almost like the Grinch, like my heart grew two sizes <laughs> at the end of this thing. Cause he talks about taking those risks and taking big swings. And he said they paid off when they did the Batman movies. So those gave him opportunities to, to take risks with man of steel. And he talked two scenes in particular. He talked about the scene where Clark did not save Jonathan Kent from the tornado. And then he talked about the scene where Clark makes the decision to kill Zod. And he talks about alternate scenes, other things they were going to do instead of those moments and why they didn't do them. And then he talked about why they ultimately made these decisions. And I got to say, man, it, it really opened my eyes. Like I always knew they were risky moves to do these things. But when you hear about the ideas that weren't done, sometimes you're like, oh, those were better ideas. But in this case, I found myself, found myself not liking the alternate ideas. I actually liked the Zod killing more and the, the him not saving Jonathan and the tornado more and I never thought that would be possible. But when I heard the ideas they didn't do, it made me like the ones they did do 10 times more. And so I was quite blown away. And then they talked about how the studio was nervous about it and that the DC was nervous about it and, and all these steps and processes and people they had to go through to get this approved to even film those scenes. And the fact that they did meant everybody believed in them. And they said, and he said, that's hard to get when you're making a movie that you're spending $200 million, million dollars of other people's money to make, it's really hard for them to put trust in you. And the fact that they did, you know, th- it meant a lot to them as creators, him and Zach. And it really opened my eyes, man, I got to say. And so writing that article was hard because it took real growth for me to finish that article. Take it as a lesson, people on the internet, this is how you're this is how you act as a critic. This is how you... Because look what Zeke just did. He was respectful. 
he talked about like this is what I want to see more. You know, this is why I hate Twitter. I this, like for me like this you know, damn it, you like you should go around teaching people these things. Like you should have like a, your own like course at university so on teaching like this is how we're critical against cr- creators without attacking them, without threatening them. So like this was so respectful. Like I you know because you I know you and I we had different viewpoints on Man of Steel for many years, and but to hear you speak like you know what. I, you know, you, the, the the thing that we don't do these days, we don't listen anymore properly right. you know, as a society. We just, like, we we go with what we hear. There's a difference between hearing and listening. And what right. and we hear something we don't like without thinking about what it means, you know, we, we react. And that's why, you know, like, I, you know, Twitter is sort of talk of place these days. Um, and trust me, it was definitely not fun being on Twitter when Man of Steel came out. Because I, Man of Steel is one of my favorite movies to this day. And I... You know, and I'm gonna stand by it until the day I die. And I just, you know, for me, I, 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 you know, th- th- that was that was deep, man. I really appreciate you saying all those things and like, you know, like talking because you know, like, I, yeah, I mean, yeah, because you know, sometimes you know, we, you know, we won't, you know, there's gonna be days when we don't. There are days when we don't agree with some of these creators and some of these writers and so on. But it's something it's really important to remember. Why why do we not agree with that? Is because well, you know, because I don't care. No, we do care. But you know, but the fact that you know that we that we can have these kind of conversations, and that's why you know, like the David Goy panel was one of the panels I was so excited for, because I like you know now he can you know without having to worry about you know a live audience, you know in Hall H or whatever, right. like you know, he can talk about these things in you know in peace and quiet, and not get flack for it. I mean, I'm sure there will be people like you know, and I I kind of appreciate the fact that they turn off the comment sections on all these videos, yeah. um, and. Not, not that I'm like, you know, like, you know, oh, they should always turn out comments, but I feel like for something like this, where like, you know, because, you know, like, I, you know, like, it, there's just so much neg- 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 negativity online that I feel like, you know, like, I just want to watch these panels without having to get distracted by what's going on in the comments. Right. Um, so, yeah, no, I, no, David Gore, he, he's done a lot, and I, I really appreciate you saying, saying what you did and so on about this, because it's, um, you know, it's important, even if we don't agree with these creators and so on. It's always important we listen and hear them out. You know, you know, they, when they take, you know, when some of them take the time to hear out for why we don't like certain things or why why we do like certain things. You know, we owe them the same courtesy. You know, being like, well, this is why I did what I did. This is an idea that I had in mind, but I didn't go with it. And you know, like for me, like I'm not against the death of Zod. As some other people are, I know there are people like who like and they're bashing Henry Cavill to this day for being, you know, just you know, <laughs> the murder Superman. And I'm like, but you know, he did a sacrifice too, right? He had to sacrifice his only connection to Krypton because right. he had, because this connection to Krypton has had gone so twisted and was so sick at this point that he ra- you know, honestly, he did him a favor. He gave him some, you know, because he, you know, because he couldn't fulfill his mission, you know, because he, you know, that would mean the death of the entire population of Earth, just so Krypton could rise again. And the fact that he didn't save save Jonathan, okay, that's, I can be more understanding of why people are upset about that, but all at the same time, Jonathan would hate himself if he made himself be the reason why Clark had to out himself as, you know, this this alien from another planet. Um, well, that's that's what they said in the panel that really, I think, helped me understand that was he said, you know, when we were approaching Superman for Man of Steel, we had to look at it as if Superman was revealed to be an alien from outer space. If we found out that there was a 
humanoid alien from another galaxy that had powers. If when humans find that out, that's going to be the biggest thing in history. It's going to change the world literally. Like people will die over it. It'll it'll and that's not even through Clark's actions. It'll just be that's how people will react to it. And because it'll prove that we're not alone in the universe. And so that's why Jonathan's so protective of him. So I had one suggestion. I think I put it in the article too, which was um in that scene where Clark is you know is, is trying to save Jonathan, Jonathan tells him not to. It's because Jonathan is, you know, like you said, he doesn't want him, Jonathan, to be the reason his son comes out right now. And he doesn't want now to be that moment because apparently Clark is supposed to be 17 in that scene. And for me, I was like, okay, well, then I think that scene would have been an easier pill for me to swallow if Henry Cavill wasn't the actor in that scene. Um, If they had the younger. Yeah, if they had the younger kid who played him earlier with the school bus scene. If they had him in that scene, then I would have been like, oh, yeah, that kid is not going to get over there and save Jonathan without exposing himself. He's not mature enough or ready. He's not ready. Yeah. So the fact that Henry was in that scene, I think, is what didn't sell that that thought to me. But when I thought about it, I'm like, wow, if they would have just put that younger actor, I would have had zero problems with that scene. So now knowing that Clark was supposed to be 17, that scene, which I didn't know that before. I don't know if they say that in the movie, but I didn't know that. (laughs) That makes me (laughs) Sorry, because I'm like, wait, why can't this 30 year old man go save his dad? <laughs> well, because you, know, because you know what they did, though. You know what they did, though, right? They, they, you know, they gave him the bangs and like they had him put on those clothes sure. and so on, so that he he would look like super young. He doesn't. I'm like, listen. I mean, Henry Cavill. Look, Henry Cavill. I, you know, I'm giving him all the love in the world, but. The boy cannot pull off 17. Like, I did not know he was supposed to be 17 in that scene. And also, listen, okay, this this is, okay, I, listen, I'm sorry for all the tangent, but listen, this this is what's ridiculous. Don't tell, okay, so I'm going to send you an image right now uh, in our Skype chat of Dylan Sprayberry as Clark. And this is like yes. 13 or 14 years old. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You're telling me that in four years from that, he would not only grow by like, I don't know how many inches and get how bulky and have his voice drop that drastic. I mean, listen, listen, we've all been through puberty, but that does not happen. <laughs> right. Even so, for, even if you're Superman, it's uh, slower than that. Oh my um, God. 17? Yeah. 17 so when, years old? When I heard that, I'm like, well, that was your issue then. You should have just got Dylan to do that scene just one more time. And I think that would have, I think that would have sold that scene a little bit more. But I mean, hey, you know, that's that's the thing they say. They're like, you know, we we took some chances. We took some risks. We did our best. And, you know, that's all you can do. And he says, and the the hope is that if we do get things where people don't like it, we try to do better. The next time around, he talked about the Zod death. He said, you know, we know that typically Superman doesn't kill in comics. Like, that's not how he is. But him and Zack always looked at movies, versions of comic characters as Elseworlds. He's like, we're never going to. Like Marvel, they have their formula where they just go like, all right, let's let's stay true to the core of the character. And and that's also what, you know, Goyer said, he goes, we wanted to stay true to the core of the character, but we also didn't want to be afraid that because we might fail, we shouldn't take a risk because we might fail. You know, he said he said, that's not how you should go into anything creative. And I agree with that as a creator myself who's done comics and other things and worked in movies like He's right about that. And so that's why I think on a deep level, deeper level, I've always respected the risk they took. But for me, they just never 
they never worked. But when he talked about it and explained it in this, he even said there was a deleted scene where young Clark, uh, they never filmed it, but he said it was a young, it was written in the script. Young Clark and Jonathan go out hunting and they have to kill a deer and Clark struggles against it. And he, and it's almost mirrors the Zod scene later. So I guess they originally planned it to where that would set up the Zod scene where it was a stalemate. It was like, I can either let, you know, not kill him and he'll ki- you know, kill everyone on the planet. So it was more than just the, the people right there in front of him that he was going to burn with his heat vision. It was about, all right, I'll kill them. And then I'm going to just go off and kill more people. And it was a stalemate. And so that was where Clark was when he was hunting the deer was he stood over the deer and, you know, Jonathan's like, it's, it's, it's more inhumane to let it suffer it's best to put it out of its misery. And that's how he sees Zod later is that he sees Zod as this person that's suffering and is lashing out and he wants to end his suffering, but you know, it has to kill him. Um, So I was like, you know, that may or may not have helped the movie or not, but at least it put in perspective the idea. And yeah, you know, I think with the problem we have nowadays is we don't listen to other people when they, when they start by saying something we disagree with we immediately tune out and go, no, 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 no. And we interrupt them and we get, we talk over them. And it, that's just not how communication should work. So because I have respect for David Goyer, he's written, co-written one of my favorite movies of all time, which is called Dark City. It's one of the best movies I've ever seen in my life. And he was the co-writer of it. And ever since that and The Crow and Blade, and I've been a big fan of his. So it would be really crappy of me as a fan of his to not at least hear him out. And I'm glad I did because I thought this panel it, like I said, it did something inside me so profound on a small level that it made it hard for me to write an article that I could have done in like two hours, and it ended up taking me like four days. Also, you know, also I'm sure you know you know also working whatever and so on. Also, you know, it's, you know something you know we had to go back and rewatch these panels so like you know. Um, well, that's true. How to do that? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's what that's what I would have done. So, like, I am, um, and you know, I even had to do it with my new mutants panel. I've I've had to go, you know, I, I carbonated for the model port, and I've got I've had to go back several times, to, like, change some things. I'm like, I missed that, I missed that, I missed that, and so on. Um, um, no, I no, I fully get it, and I and I'm glad that you know. Again, so I this is why you need to come on the podcast more often, and so because you know I love you know these conversations. Or you know what? Maybe you and I just need to have some sort of separate podcast for these nerd kind of discussions. I don't know. Uh, but, like, yeah, I, you know, I appreciate that, you know, because, again, it, you know, I, you know, sometimes these films and TV shows are, are difficult to enjoy because, because, they're, you know, because of this, this negativity that is around them and so on, where, like, where people are not willing to hear each other out or they're not willing to listen to each other. They're only willing to hear each other out and be like, but, you know, but here's why my opinion matters. Here's why yours doesn't. Um, Right, and, I, I, I'm, I, I'm yeah. and it's these characters have been Superman's 82 years old now. Like so, there's no one has the definitive take on Superman. Nobody. Superman has to belong to all of us. Like he has to. So if you like the version of Superman that Zack Snyder does, or if you like the Dean Cain Superman, or if you like the the you know the Tom Welling Superman, it or if you like them all, you know, and Christopher Reeve, like it doesn't matter, like. It you know you like the version you like, but that doesn't negate the other version. Like I see the because I'm a Venom creator, obviously. So the f- arguments I see all the time is who's everyone's favorite Spider-Man, and that it's like okay, good, say who your favorite is, but don't say who your favorite is, and then tell someone else who likes a different version that their version sucks. It's like you know that that's not how we should act as a fandom. Like you know, 
to personally attack somebody because they like Andrew Garfield. It's like, hey, those movies aren't for me. But if that's your favorite version of Spider-Man because you were 10 when you saw it, then that's cool. Like you like Spider-Man. At the end of the day, that's all that matters. At the end of the day, you like Superman and I like Superman. That's all that matters. And the character can only live for 82 years more if we all just stop fighting over which version of him is better. We have to just let all versions of him to some extent exist so that he can be uh, there's a version for everybody out there so that way he can still be popular 82 years from now so uh that's the thing that's at the end of the day that's what it is at least respect people enough especially over super like comic book characters i see people literally death threading each other over fictional characters and i'm like dude there are real there are real problems in the world there are real things worth fighting for on that level superheroes and fictional characters and comic books and and movies they're not those things these things are just should be fun they should just be your escapism escape from reality and so if you tell me i like superman and i go i like superman what's your favorite version like i like man of steel and i go cool i like you know the the tom welling version he's like my favorite um then we go cool and then we start talking about superman like that's how it should be in a perfect world that's what it's like and i think that's the kind of world Superman likes to believe he exists in is that everyone has their take on him. Everyone has their opinion on him. But at the end of the day, he just tries his best through the pen of other creators and visionary directors. And he's just doing his best. And so if you don't like one version, you let someone else have that version and you wait for the next version that you like. And that's it, man. And I think that's what, what's so fun. Like we were talking about a death metal before is the fact that, um, there's all these different Batmans now. So, I mean, people who are Batman fans, you know, now you can have, you know, you can have your your favorite Batman. You know, if you love Red Death more, that's fine. Right. If you love the Batman who laughs, that's fine too. Like, that's the thing. Like, we need to, like, for me, like, for example, I, you know, I, I'm, you know, like, I, I, people have known that I've always been a big support of the Diane Laura Lance Black Canary. She's my black favorite Black Canary. You know, but I know that some people in the Arrowverse, they love Sarah Lance as the canary. And, you know, even though she's like, not, I mean, Sarah is one of my favorite characters, I will never see her as a black canary. But I respect others who do. And I respect others who love that version of the canary. I respect people who love Diana Drake. Even though I do, I do think it's still really, really weird that Diana Drake exists, exists in this universe as not Diana Laura Lance's mother. But that's, you know, that's not, that's not up to me to decide. You know, but Juliana Harkavy is amazing. Uh, but like, you know, but, you know, but that's the thing, like, we need to, you know, and that's the thing, like, even with shipping, you know, like, I'm about to say a trigger word now. So, you know, like, you know, you, all you Felicity Oliver fans out there, be ready. You know, Olicity <laughs> is not one of my favorite chips. It never will right. be. It never has been. I love Oliver Queen as a character. <laughs> I liked Oliver Queen in the Arrowverse as a character. I love Oliver Queen from Smallville. There we go. I love there Felicity Smoke. I just don't like them together because I think Felicity can do way better. And look what happened. She, you know, now she's dead, basically ish. Um, <laughs> depending, well, technically in twenty forty she is dead because she's in the afterlife now. And uh, I, you know. Time travel, um, but uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't get it either. But either it's like if you like Olicity, that's perfectly fine. I respect you if you love Olicity. Just don't come and send me death threats or pictures of dead birds when Laura Lance was killed. Just to Jeez. no. Oh, see, see, I got. Oh, I will tell you the number after we get off air. But like, I got. 
pictures of dead birds sent to my personal inbox that I don't give out publicly. I don't know how people got a hold of it the day after Laura was killed off on Arrow. Because they, you know, because people were, and like several of them had like, you know, hashtag bye bye birdie and so because they were trending bye bye birdie <laughs> that night. Fictional characters! Fictional characters! <laughs> you mutter efforts! It's like uh, my favorite thing about that is is actually from ben affleck you know who coincidentally later played batman but and daredevil too but he did that scene in uh i think uh chasing amy or something with the uh, kevin smith's movie where he's talking about fictional character he goes no these are fictional characters and they're like what and he goes fictional characters <laughs> and like uh, maybe it was, maybe it was jay and silent bob strike back but he was like yeah people are getting mad on the internet because of what we did to you know a blunt man and chronic and he's like He's like, they're like, what is the internet? And he goes, this is where fans come and yell at each other about who's who's better and who's worse. And, <laughs> and, then, and then he's like, why are they getting mad? He's like, fictional characters. It's so funny. It's such a good, yeah. Oh, see, this has been an honor and pleasure as always. I listen. I, I will find ways to get you back on this podcast as much as possible because I, it's. I mean, this is this is what I live for. You know, I am. Um, I again, you know, one, if that Red Hood show ever happens, you know, we're gonna that podcast will happen. And yeah, I, gonna... I made you a deal. I made yeah, you yeah, deal. yeah. We have a we have a we have a verbally binding contract. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but listen, I uh, for, thank you so much for all, all your articles that you covered for us and for um, <clears throat> coming on and talking about your your what you love, what you didn't love, and you know, or, you know what you know what you felt could have been better and so on, and kind of just. You know, as we're going through this difficult time right now in the world, so help us bring a little joy into the, in the, in the world. Um, so thank you so much for coming on. It's Like I said, it's always a pleasure. So um, for people who do not know, tell them about the Venom blog uh, and where they can find you uh, on YouTube because I know you have another channel as well. And uh, yeah, anything else you want to plug. So uh, so yeah, start off with the, with the Venom blog. Well, I mean, you know, I, as Andy will tell you, I have a lot of love uh, for a lot of characters. I'm a big fan of a lot of people. I have a lot of favorites is what I like to say. Um, but the character I focus on the most on my YouTube channel is Venom because, one, I love Tom Hardy. Uh, but, two, also I have a connection to, to Venom in a lot of ways. Uh, he's connected to Todd McFarlane, one of my favorite creators of all time, David Michelini, one of my favorite writers. But also it's a character that has gone through similar things that I've gone through in my real life, like um, like dark things too, like uh, suicide attempts and and uh, and self discovery, and we talk about that a lot on the show. We talk about filmmaking because we tie it into the movies. I got to visit the set of Venom two, and you know, got to you know meet Tom Hardy. Although I met him before when Venom one came out, and got to even watch Venom one with Tom Hardy. Um, so no big it, deal, no big deal. No, That's what we all do every day. <laughs> uh, but it, to me, it's 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 a show that's changed my life for the better. It's helped me listen to people more. Now I do a show, a spinoff show of Venom vlog called the parasite podcast, which Andy's been on where I bring people who either are friends like Andy, or I bring in people who just comment on my videos uh, who are over 18 and I get to know my audience. And it's pretty great because I think that has been one of the smartest moves I've ever made to get to know who's actually watching my show and to give them a chance to tell others why they love venom and why they love things they do. Cause not everyone who comes on loves venom in particular, but it, it's, it's been the funnest thing. Cause I've never seen any other YouTuber do that. And 
I think it's the thing that makes my channel unique is that we just, we love having conversations. So I would only plug my YouTube channel because I'm actually no longer as by the time this airs, I won't be on social media anymore. So, um, so I'm just on YouTube, youtube.com slash seek Donnelly S I I K E D O N N E L L Y. Uh, if you go there, that has a link to my gaming channel, which once a week I play video games on that channel, but my main channel is Venom vlog and, uh, and that's where I am mostly. And I have a, a website or a, an email called the parasite podcast at Gmail. So if you ever want to just reach out to me through the email, since I don't have social media, you can just email me there. And guys, uh, the, uh, his Venom blog is one of my favorite channels. Like, and I'm not saying it just because he's on there. I, you know, I've, I've made it perfectly clear that I Venom blog is one of my favorite YouTube channels to go to and, you know, follow. I mean, I, I, I'm subscribed to it. I have the notifications bells on and so on. And because, you know, like, again, Zeke is one of the most, you know, is, is a content creator that, that I think more people should take inspiration from, you know, like, you know, about, like we talked about, you know, having disagreement you know, and kind of having these open discussions in a very positive and respectful way. And yeah, I mean, like, you know, if you want to listen to my inter- interview, you can do that, but I definitely check, check out all the other amazing people he's has has out has had on and his you know and talk you know if you want to know more about Venom and so because you know yeah I mean I cannot for, for, I cannot for the love of me real uh, imagine why no one would love Venom because he's like the best Spider-Man villain uh, he's the and also he's become so much more now in the Marvel universe uh, I mean I'm still you know I'm a big Agent Venom stan um, I'm still hoping for it in the in the MCU I know it won't happen uh, although I would love for it to happen too um, I'm I, Forgetting the name of the actor uh, who plays Flash, um, right? But he, I think it would be fun to see him take on that role, um, and yeah. So yeah, please do go check out check out the Venom blog, and you know, get, check out all the amazing content that he brings on. Um, I feel, I feel I feel you always always have a video up like almost every day. Uh, I mean, no, it's not literally every, <laughs> every day. Yeah, but but yeah, but even 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 that, it's still like so much fun just watching and just you know and like he will you know, his live streams are always so much fun. Like he he will make sure that you know when when you know when you show up in the chat and you say hello, he always greets you and always makes you feel welcome. So yeah, Venom Law, go subscribe to it. There will be links in the show notes uh, where you can where you can find his channel, uh, his gaming channel, and where how you can contact him uh, if you wish to do so. And uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna skip the the podcast plugs for for this week. Uh, you can, if you want to find me, you can find me at Andrew Bike on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, you can find me writing for Screen Rant, which uh, as of August I will be taking a little bit of a break because uh, um, there's some there's some exciting uh, new chapters in my life happening um, outside the internet world. Like I'm actually gonna like somewhat take a little bit of a break from like being constantly on the internet. Um, so, but yeah, I've written a lot of fun stuff. Uh, Airbus Argos, as always. Uh, I help run the mall. I am the editor of the mall report. And also, you can find me on over at the Titans and Doomerol podcast. Which uh, at the time when you listen to this, uh, there's no new episode this week because we're actually going to be covering the final two episodes of season two to- together next week uh, as the season comes to an end, which hopefully will not be its last. Warner Brothers, come on now, hand me, out, hand, me hand me that season free renewal. Um, so, so there you go. Uh, but once again, Zeke, thank you so much for coming on. This was a lot of fun, and we're gonna make this. We're gonna make sure that this happens more often, cause, um, I forget again. I, I, we should, you know, we should unite. We should go back and listen to those episodes we did together back in two thousand thirteen and fourteen. Just listen to how different y'all were. <laughs> Um, yeah, 
Um, yeah. Because it was a different time for sure. So, so thank you for coming on and to our listeners, thank you for tuning in. We hope you had that you enjoyed San Diego Comic Con at home, uh, for, for for you know for its go go good and bad. And yeah, next time next time uh, the girls and I will all be back because we're gonna do another commentary episode that we promised to to our listener Jason. Um, uh, we 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 will talk about him on the next episode. So, uh, so yeah, thank you for listening. And from all of the Flash Podcast, I'm Andy B, and we'll see you next time on the Flash Podcast. Mm-hmm.